Hey there, welcome to Life 2.0 Podcast. I'm John St. Augustine. Time to go up the down staircase, kids, in the outdoor. Make sense out of the senseless, but all possible. Find the obvious, buried in the absurd. Hold on to your friggin' lug nuts. Time for an overall. Let's do it. And delighted to have you joining me uh, on this exercise in audio excellence. I'm a little late start today. Uh, we were out, uh, not to, we were actually weren't out that late. We were just a very interesting evening. It was my highly significant other's Christmas party from work. And it was held on the 99th floor of the Willis Tower. Now, when I grew up in Chicago, it was the Sears Tower. So you can you know, buy a new name. But we're on the 99th floor of the uh, Willis Tower. And it's interesting, you, you take the elevator from the lobby to floor 66. Then you walk up a set of steps to the 67th floor. Then you take that to the 99th floor. And I'm thinking to myself, imagine it was like, I think there are people that run like up and down like the Hancock building or the tower, like a marathon type thing once a year. So a couple floors was enough for me. But it was interesting because the first thing I thought of when I got up there, I mean, the, the views are spectacular, of course. You see the city laid out and splayed out. And you can walk, you know, all the way around so you can see north, south, east, and west. And I can remember, I just, weird, weird flashback. Um, probably my first year in the Coast Guard in aviation, uh, we would fly in the air and water show. And before you get to do the air and water show, you have to do a couple of, uh, you know, flights and stuff like that to get accommodated into what's going on. I was right out of boot camp. So the first time... I went up in a helicopter. I was with, with Lieutenant Chris Snyder, the late, great Lieutenant Chris Snyder. And we buzzed uh, downtown Chicago. You know, it was the middle of the day. I remember hovering for a second or two over the Hancock, which is a, was a, a little bit uh, shorter. I don't think it was the Sears Tower was even built in 1980. So anyway, the bottom line was that's the first place I went in my mind. Like, I've seen this before. It's been a long time. But I, I started to think about that perspective shift, you know. Um, I can remember a couple times when I was in the helicopter sitting with my legs hanging out. On the, <laughs> and the only thing holding me in was what we call a gunner's belt or a seat sling. And it's this, um, it's just high tensile fabric that just hooks you into the, the top of the helicopter with a you know gunner's belt around your waist and stuff. And flying along like no big deal. God, I was 22 at the time, I suppose fairly fearless at that point. I don't know if you could get me to do that now because perspective has changed. But we had a nice evening and I just kept looking out the window thinking, it's so cool. And of course, it's a perspective shift reminder, right? You know, we're driving in traffic to get down there. It is brutal on a Friday night. We're going back downtown uh, tonight for dinner as well. We'll leave a lot earlier. But, you know, when you're in the traffic and it's jammed up the wazoo, obviously things look a little different. As soon as we got up, you know, almost a thousand feet up, it just, it's all quiet and you can see everything going and you can see all the streams of traffic coming in and out and the hustle and bustle of the city. And then you just see the, the, the dense blackness of Lake Michigan, just quiet, you know, to the east. So it's pretty cool. Uh, but anyway, I slept in this morning, which never happens. I slept till like seven o'clock. Not that you need to know my sleep habits exactly, but that never happens. So I was obviously needed a couple extra hours. So get a little bit of a later start this morning. Uh, and uh, the coffee's just kicking in, so bear with me. 
The other thing that popped into my mind is, well, let me just real run back to this real quick. So this uh, 1980 thing, yesterday, December 8th, today is the 9th, December 8th, was 43 years since John Lennon was killed in New York outside of his brownstone. And it's one of those seminal moments for me. You know, we all have them. 9-11 is one of them for my, my folks. Uh, you know, Pearl Harbor would have been one of them. So we have these events and incidents in our lives that are have worldwide repercussions. And we all kind of remember where we were at. And I was going back to this Coast Guard thing. I was on duty that night at the Naval Air Station in Glenview. And uh, it popped on, I think, I believe we were watching a football game. And Howard Cosell interrupted Monday Night Football to announce that John Lennon had been shot. And we're all sitting there, you know, in December of 1980. And it was one of those, wait, what happened here? And it's just, it's, it's surreal. It takes time for it to set in. And I think these giant events in our lives, they have that surreal quality to them. It takes time for it to settle in. So 43 years ago, I mean, you know, he'd have been 83 now. So these perspective things all kind of remind me of the fragility and the, how fast life really moves and that it never stops. I don't care who you are, you know, when you go, life goes on. And the people that are around you, they have to go on. So it's a it's an interesting kind of uh, mix for me this morning, as there's so much going through my head about how do I get the right words to to kind of share what I think is was going on this past week for me, and make that applicable, if possible, in your life. I mean, because it's all about perspective. Life is not, if it's nothing else, it's about what you see is what you get. You know, what you focus on the longest becomes the strongest. And then we have these markers in our head where I could be a thousand feet up and go, oh yeah, I remember this. It was a long time ago, but I definitely remember this. I haven't been up that in a building like that for quite a long time. So it was, uh, it was all that going on yesterday. And then this morning I, I kept thinking about, as I always say on this, this podcast, I never want to waste your time. Don't want to waste my time. time. There's no time to waste. So to get up and bat my gums about things I can't do much about and to complain about a lot of things, which is the norm in so much of, uh, of the media, uh, would be a waste of time. And I'm not going to do that. So I woke up this morning and I kept thinking, what is it that I, w-? I made a note somewhere. What is it I wanted to talk about here and there? And it goes back to Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift was named Time Person of the Year this year, 2023, and I don't listen to Taylor Swift's music for no particular reason except she's 33 and I'm not in her demographic and, and all that goes along with it. So I'm going to read, and, you know, because it caused every time there's a person of the year, you think there should be somebody different and they should have it or they shouldn't have it. And, you know, if you go back in the list of people who've been person of the year, there is a wide ranging array of names in there for sure. Uh, there's been 23 presidents of the United States. There's been uh, six unique leaders. Uh, they use the word unique. A general secretary, Communist Party, the Soviet Union, like Stalin, Khrushchev, Andropov, and Gorbachev. They've been all uh, time person of the year. Hitler's been person of the year. Willie Brandt's been person of the year, as has Angela Merkel. And you go down this list and you realize, you know, Anwar Sadat and Winston Churchill and Queen Elizabeth II. It is such a wide range of names of people that have been on the cover of that magazine. Uh, it makes you kind of, at least it makes me go, well, how do they figure this stuff out? So this is what uh, the time 
website says. I'm just going to read this because it's worth reading, I believe. Since 1927, Time has chosen a person of the year, the editor's assessment of the individual who most shaped the headlines over the previous 12 months for the better or worse, which explains Hitler. As a tradition, person of the year springs from the great man theory of history, a belief that individuals have the power to transform society. The selections over the years have tended to follow certain patterns. The person chosen has typically been a ruler over traditional domains of power. He, and yes, usually it's been a he, is very often a political figure or titan of industry. And by the way, I love the word titan. Not used well enough. Titan. He was a titan of industry. 14 U.S. presidents, five leaders of Russia or the Soviet Union, and three popes have all been recognized. And yet, the person whose singular influence was revealed throughout 2023 has held none of those roles or anything remotely similar. Every year contains light and dark. 2023 was a year with significant shares of darkness. And in a divided world where too many institutions are failing, Taylor Swift found a way to transcend borders and be a source of light. No one else on the planet today can move so many people so well. Achieving this feat is something we often chalk up to the alignment of the planets and fates, but giving too much credit to the stars ignores her skill and power. Swift is the rare person who is both the writer and hero of her own story. Her path is unraveled, something she's known for some time. I can't really find anyone who's had the same career trajectory as mine, she told Time Magazine back in 2014 when she first appeared on the cover upon releasing her fifth album, 1989. So when I'm in an optimistic place, I hope that my life won't match anyone else's life trajectory either. While her popularity has grown through the decades, this is the year that Swift, 33 years old as I mentioned, achieved a kind of nuclear fusion, shooting art and commerce together to release an energy of historic force. She did it by embracing what she does better than anyone, entertaining and writing songs that connect with people. Now, she becomes the first person of the year to be recognized for her success in the arts in a year where we were reawakened to questions about who makes and who owns our cultural expressions. Swift is also a symbol of a generational change. She's only the fourth solo person of the year born in the past half century. Get this. In the 17 years since her debut, she has notched more number one albums than any other woman in history. This year alone, she had three. She was everywhere in 2023, filling stadiums, breaking records, which meant we were forced to find novel ways to measure the magnitude of her reach. Seismograms were deployed to show the literal impact caused by her fans. As Swift reportedly became a billionaire, country's gross domestic products became the yardstick for her financial contributions. University classes to study Swift's lessons in literature, business, and law were announced. Swift was showered with keys to cities and street signs changed to her name. So it goes on to talk about these great things that she has done. And one of the things that was interesting to me uh, in all of this is that there, she has had the ability, obviously, to bring a lot of people together and amass a huge fortune, which she has shared with the people that she knows builds her and holds her up. Last time I counted, it was like $55 million she gave out in bonuses to people from who, everybody from the people that transported her concerts, to rig the lighting, to, to tune her guitars, and on and on and on. She was very liberal in, in her uh, generosity. 
So you could have knocked me over with a feather. And I've told this story before, but it's, it's once again prominent in my head about the first time I was introduced to Taylor Swift. So this was back in 2007. I was executive producer at Oprah Radio, and I produced the Dr. Oz show, Gene Chatsky show, Bob Green's show, worked on Nate Berkus's show. And the Gracie Awards, which is a um, where they recognize exemplary programming created by women for women and about women and all facets of media and entertainment. Anyway, Gene Chatsky won the first Gracie Award for the Harpo Radio Group. And not surprised. Jean is, uh, you know, she was for years on the Today Show as the Money Maven and incredible author, great speaker, great friend. And I was thrilled for her to win this. We put it together as a team. Catherine Murphy was my associate producer at the time, and I was the senior producer. And so we go to New York City for these awards and had the tuxedo on, man, styling, profiling, literally the first time and only time, I think, I've done the red carpet thing. You know, it's not what I do, but at that point, I did it. And somewhere on the internet, not that you need to go digging, but somewhere on the internet, there are pictures of Catherine and I, and probably Gene and I and Catherine on the red carpet. Anyway, we go to this big event, it's huge, and I'm uh, giving an award out for somebody else. Uh, I looked at the list of, of the names of uh, people who were uh, speakers and like that and, and giving out awards, and it was I was really honored to be included. And this thing is a long affair. It's probably three hours. You know, it's a, it's a big blowout. And so at halfway through, hour and a half in, after they'd given out a bunch of awards and everything, we were eating dinner and everybody's all, you know, hanging out and uh, chit-chatting. They had a musical interlude, a little entertainment. And I can't imagine, and this happened last night at dinner too. I mean, they had a, a, a group there last night. I don't want to say a band, but they had a, a group entertaining us last night. Nobody's listening because we're all eating and talking. They were at the far end of the, the restaurant last night. And, you know, everybody that uh, was at the event, the Christmas party, they're not really listening. It's like the, the song wafts into your ear from the corner. Like, what are they singing? A Fleetwood Mac song? Oh, yeah, okay. And it was a similar thing back in uh, in 07 for the, uh, for the Gracie Awards. And I just recall eating and watching the, you know, what, who's, what's going on over here? Turning around half turn and looking at the stage, which was maybe 50 yards away. And there's this young girl out there with long hair and a guitar. And that was it. She's sitting on a chair and she's plinking away and singing. And I'm like, whose kid is this? Whose kid did they get to do this? Cause nobody's listening. And she played three, four five songs, whatever. And there was light little applause for her. That was it. And I thought, first of all, I didn't catch your name. And secondly, I thought, you know, this is, you know, how many artists are like this where they're out trying to, you know, earn their chops a little bit and, and do this. And this was a fairly sizable event, but I couldn't tell you who she was or what the deal was. Well, later when I got back to Chicago, I come to find out that it was Taylor Swift. Years later, probably, I don't know, 2010, 2011, 12, somewhere, wherever she started really launching her stuff, uh, I, I was amazed. This is not what I heard that night. There was no big bells and whistles around her. There were no backup dancers. There were no spotlights. You know, there was no big orchestra. There was no stage show. She was just sitting on a chair with her guitar singing. And so many of the great artists start that way. You know, they, it's just them with their craft and doing their deal. So on one hand, I don't get it. 
I mean, I, I get being an entertainer. I get uh, that people glom onto what you do. And I get that she's a force. Those things I get. The other part I don't get, meaning in some way, shape, or form. I mean, that's this is a national recognition of a person who's obviously high profile, especially with her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, from the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but depending on how you look at it, back to the perspective thing, to me, it, it, it adds up and yet it doesn't. None of what she sings do I connect with. Zero. I'm not a you know, 20-something young woman who's gone through various relationships and then writes songs and sings about it. That doesn't connect with me. I'm doing taking care of business for an open. You know what I'm saying? Bachman Turner Overdrive. So none of that I connect with. And then then I go, okay, so this is the person that you've chosen out of all the people you could choose who are making a huge, serious impact in in the world, positive or negative. And of course, that's their choice. That's their magazine. And I started to think about other people that make that big difference. You know, people that do things that that kind of connect with everybody on some level, whether you like it or not. And not that I'm going to come up with a list of alternate time of the you know person of the year things, but I find it fascinating on some level that we, we the, the chosen one only stays as chosen this year. The next year. It'll, and like everybody's career, it will level off and it will not be a thing at some point. Everything has peaks and valleys. So when I look at her career, I, I think to myself, I was watching her on stage before she was a thing. Taylor Swift was 17 years old the first time that I saw her. So in the last 16 years, she has accomplished a couple things. Done pretty well for herself, that's for sure. And now it has exploded. And I think there's a lot that goes into that. Obviously, she has the talent to do it. I, I, arguably, the talent. Is she the greatest singer on the planet? Probably not. Greatest guitarist? For sure not. But there's a lot of marketing and stuff around all of that that makes it work. And when that happens, uh, things can really take off. You know, I've been in the media long enough to know how a lot of this stuff works. And whoever put her on that stage at the Gracie Awards was really smart. You know, And I'm certainly not the only person who will remember that she was there. And how this trajectory, in her own words, has taken her. And, I, and, and the, the last piece of this for me is, I am so adamant about, like, if you could be the person of the year in your own life, you know, that you could outdo yourself every year to the best of your ability, you don't need a cover on a magazine to, to do that. You just need to, to have the wherewithal in yourself. To not want to be better than anybody else except for the person you were the day before. And so look, I get that there are times I go off on these these left and right and left and right tangents about seeing things from so many angles. But it helps me maintain my equilibrium when this stuff pops out. So on one hand, I had a, a friend of mine. Man, I got a lot of hands again this morning. On one hand, uh, I had a... I can't remember who told me this. Like the NFL should give... Uh, Taylor Swift an award because she's got women watching football. I don't think they're going to give her an award. I do find it fascinating, of course, that they give her as much TV time because she's just there with her boyfriend watching football. Nobody put a camera on my girlfriend when I was playing football. But I digress. So all of this stuff to me is fodder to chew on. And that's all I know. And when I'm done chewing on it, I don't know that I 
know any more about it than I did going in, but I always somehow try to make this apply to my own life so I can up the game a little bit. You know, I sat here the other day, and this is a little bit of a confessional type thing this morning. I sat here the other morning, uh, and I and I had just gotten an email about this Randy Hunley book that I wrote with and for Randy Hunley. It's doing sensational. People are just, they love it. Uh, and I got a, an email from this guy to ask if he could have a conversation with me. I said, sure. And so he calls me from Arizona, and he was very emotional. And he was talking about how much Randy meant to him. Now, this is a guy who grew up, he's probably my age, and back in the day, these Chicago Cubs were our guys. And they made an impact on us in a way that years later, decades later, we are emotionally connected to them. And he went on to talk about how much he cared about him and, 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 and the impact he had made. And Randy, of course, created this fantasy camp uh, concept that has been duplicated by every Major League Baseball team forever since he started. And it was the ability to get guys and women uh, off the sidelines and onto the field, play baseball with their heroes. I mean, that's just a huge thing for those of us who that matters to. And we had quite a conversation. Again, he broke down a couple times in tears about the impact that Randy had made in his life, going from a guy he watched on the field to someone he connected with at these fantasy camps. And he was um, calling me to see if I thought I would be up for getting behind an effort to have Randy considered for the prestigious Buck O'Neill Award. And the Buck O'Neill Award is a lifetime achievement award presented by the National Baseball Hall of Fame, but they only do it like every three years to honor someone who has made a massive impact in the game and on a different level than time person of the year has affected generations of fans and like that. And so you got the time person of the year over here, this 33-year-old billionaire, incredibly talented young woman, and here I'm getting a call from this guy who on a baseball level, would be an equivalent type thing. That's obviously, like I said, it's not a magazine, but it's a very prestigious award. And, you know, the truth is that it, it, three years from now, who knows where things are going to be. It takes a lot to pull this stuff off. But the concept and the fact that he wanted to do this and that he felt that Randy should be recognized for his contributions, for bringing baseball to people and all that he has done um, was not lost on me. I don't see that happening, but he wanted to talk about it and discuss the options. So this morning as I sit here and I, and I look at those things and say, it's really about making an impact with what you've been given to do. And after I got off the phone with this guy, I thought, I haven't done enough. Not that I need a recognition or award or a cover on a, a magazine for sure, but I, I go back to this Irma Bombeck thing, that when I stand before the creator at the end of my life, I want to be able to say I used everything I was given. And there are some days I don't feel like I've done that. I'm not, you know, a martyr of any kind. I know I've accomplished a lot of things, but I just feel like it's this piece of me that that has not locked in yet what I'm here to do. I got a lot of pieces laying around, but they've not come together in a way that has been comprehensive and cohesive that I go, oh yeah, I got it, right. That I did what I was supposed to do. And so we'll see if that ever comes. Maybe people feel like that. Maybe they don't. I do. And I've been surrounded in my life by people who I felt pulled that off. And some of them, of course, you know, I use Teddy Roosevelt as an example from time to time in my life. I have his picture over here as a reminder about, you know, 
answering the bell, answering the call, doing the thing you came to do. Life is short. And the Taylor Swift thing, I think, ignited that. So on one hand, I got to tell you, I'm thrilled for her. You know, to see her on that stage at the Gracie Awards and to see where she's come now, it's not just talent, because I know a lot of really talented people who are still making the chicken dinner circuit, and that's not ever they're never playing Carnegie Hall. That's probably why I play their music and stuff from time to time here, because I, they need the support too. Uh, but So it takes a lot for that to happen. Talent, of course, is there, but there are a lot of people who I'm not sure about their talent, but they're well-known. You know, so success and significance are not the same thing. And so I guess we all get to measure one or the other in our own way. As we're coming into Christmas, uh, following the theme of music, and, and uh, I, every year I have a little bit more difficulty of, you know, I don't want to hear it while it's 60 degrees and sunny, of course. And as in that perspective, too, when people say it's not Christmas without snow, well, if you grew up in Arizona, it didn't matter. So I appreciate you spending time with me. I appreciate uh, your subscribing to the show and supporting the show financially. It, it means a lot. I get up in the morning on Saturday. I can't wait to do this, even though it's a little later than it usually is. And I want to be able to leave you with some things, at least some thought processes that break through the, the headlines and remind you how important the lifelines are. Rolling back to uh, John Lennon 43 years ago, uh, I think it was uh, you know, important to remember that this is a guy who I don't know if he was on the cover of Time magazine. I'm sure the Beatles may or may not have uh, achieved that, but you know, when you live your life for peace and you die a violent death, I think there is uh, something to be th- th- that to me kind of shows the world we live in. You know, growing up, it was uh, the Beatles were everywhere, and it's hard for me to imagine, no pun intended, uh, the world without John Lennon for the last 43 years, and of course. Uh, the incredible George Harrison. But in all of that, you know, as I said, it is a, it is, there's <laughs> no guarantee we're going to be here tomorrow. You got to do what you can uh, today. And that is for sure. So I'm going to let uh, John and Yoko uh, take us out of this particular episode. And congratulations to Taylor Swift. She deserves it. Until next time, be well, safe travels, keep the faith. So this is Christmas And what have you done Another year over And you won't just be gone And so this is Christmas I hope you have fun The So happy.